0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Government know-nothings are a danger to us all. These people who get elected and then believe that their power is absolute. And there's a story out. Something that we saw in Europe just a couple of weeks ago, now people discussing here in the US, that proves once again that the last thing we should ever be doing is looking to Europe for advice and ideas. But really this is not a conversation about Europe versus the United States, this is the conversation of big government and what happens when people think because of their elected position they know things. And to be very, very specific, if people like Elizabeth Warren had their way, innovation would cease in the United States. It it would be over. There would be no creation. There would be no thought. There would be no thinking at all. You would still live with candles if it was up to Elizabeth Warren and you realize, my goodness, Atlas Shrugs is a really good book. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's an absolute pleasure, guys a pleasure to be with you find everything at tonycats.com this is a story about chargers not not the football team not the car the thing that you utilize to power up your laptop or your phone and i will agree with you that it's super frustrating that different companies use different chargers right you got the lightning cable and a USB-C. uh, some people are you still using usb then you've got i don't know what is it a micro usb or a mini i can't keep up it's annoying but companies do what they do for their own reasons they like the charger they think it delivers better they think the connection this that i don't get involved They're the ones making the product, and I'm the one who gets to decide whether or not that product is for me. That's the deal. I don't have to buy any product they create. I am free to say nope. If it wasn't for the fact that my career requires me to create content, which I I love doing, and so I utilize the technology of a smartphone in order to make that easier not only to create but then disseminate, i'd have a flip phone in four seconds i don't need text messages email is just fine you can call me like a grown-up did you did, did we all forget how to make a phone call very important i can't tell from text inflection or or emotion i can't tell i want to hear you so i understand you and that way i am far better at being responsive to your need, responsive to what it is that's going on in your life or, what, or, your, or your business needs, I could be of more service. But when everything is text 24-7, and people don't text in sentences, they text in, in, in emojis and single words. And for those people who are going to say to me, okay, Boomer, understand, I'm right one-word text responses, half sentences, responding in emojis is ridiculous. It's, it's, it is communication by grunting. We have this whole fantastic kick-ass vocabulary, and we've reduced it to some kind of smiley face laughing on its side emoji. I don't know what to do with that. The greatest innovation in vocabulary in the past decade is the poop emoji? We're screwed! We're out of our heads! Elizabeth Warren, poop emoji. Putting out a tweet, consumers shouldn't have to keep buying new chargers all the time for different devices. We can clear things up with uniform standards for less expense, less hassle, and less waste. The Europeans want to have a universal charger system a universal charger one 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 charger to rule them all and in the darkness bind them uh so everything plugs in the same way three senators edward markey of massachusetts elizabeth warren of massachusetts and bernie sanders of vermont sent a letter to the secretary of commerce gina raimondo to press for a plan to tackle the lack of a universal charger Which, according to them, will create a financial burden, or it does create a financial burden for consumers and creates more electronic waste. Translation, three commies, three know-nothings who have never created anything or built anything in their entire lives, want to tell Apple and Google and Samsung and the rest how they should do business. Three losers who if it wasn't for elected office, wouldn't be able to make a living. Bernie Sanders has never held a job. He has been a taker his whole life. Elizabeth Warren has a job because she lied about who she is for financial and social gain. I'm less familiar with Senator Markey's history. I do know that he was the senatorial sponsor of the Green New Deal. They want to tell companies how to do their business. Are we better off with Steve Jobs or are we better off with Elizabeth Warren? Are we better off with Bill Gates or are we better off with Elizabeth Warren. Now, I'm not talking about, of course, Steve Jobs has since passed, and I'm not talking about the Bill Gates of today. The Bill Gates of today is um is 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 a seems to me like a pretty dangerous cat. His thoughts on population, the owning of land as he does. Is he using the lands properly, Uh, which those laws are already on the books. If you own farmland, you're not farming on it. What are you doing? Uh, There's questions there. The way he acted and the conversations he was having uh, during COVID, frightening in my view. But he's a citizen. He's allowed to have his point of view. He's allowed to utilize his money the way he sees fit. I don't make an argument against this. But when he created Microsoft, he created it through total selfishness, and we are all better off. Bill Gates today is a guy who wants to go to very wealthy people and say, don't leave your money to your kids. Give it to this charity and that charity and the other charity. <laughs> Not a chance. I'm in favor of charitable works, I do charitable work. We're getting together July sixteenth, guys, uh, in Brownsburg at Premier Arms. We're raising money for Brownsburg Blessing Boxes, so we're gonna have this. The, the, you know, you make a hundred dollar donation, you're eligible to win a prize pack. We've got some incredible firearms that we're gonna be uh, giving away uh, to people who donate a uh, hundred dollars or more. They'll have a chance to get that. Um, They'll be eligible to get that, uh, a, a humidor and a cigar pack because they, they sell cigars at Premier Arms. Gift cards. It's going to be great. And we're doing a live eat, drink, smoke show there on July 16th, starting at 3 p.m. And, uh, Guy Relford, the gun guy, is going to be live as well. So three to seven p.m., July 16th is a Saturday from three to seven at Premier Arms in Brownsburg. If you want to make your your donation now so you're eligible, 317-858-3030. 317-858-3030. You can also go to PremierArms.com and get their address and and the phone number there if you forget. 317-858-3030. I'm a fan of charity. I'm a fan of helping to raise money for causes that I think are important. And I don't mind if Bill Gates decides to spend his money his way. But this idea of not leaving to your family I think is pretty strange. And the idea of charity first is very strange. No one would be better off in the history of the world if Bill Gates spent half of his time working at a uh, and donating to and pro- providing meals at a soup kitchen, physically working at a soup kitchen instead of working on Microsoft. We're all better off because he was a selfish bastard. I don't actually mind selfishness. I think there there's something very important about it. We're all better off. Would we be better off if while Bill Gates wasn't showering and was working nonstop on Microsoft, some government lackey was there looking over his shoulder saying, no, 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 we don't want that. No, 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 don't do that. We're better off that innovators innovate. We're always better off when innovators innovate and create and build. Always, 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 always. The letter reads, we cannot allow the consumer electronics industry to prioritize proprietary and inevitably obsolete charging technology over consumer protection and environmental health. Yes, we can. Because she, Elizabeth Warren, and the rest of the commies can't guarantee uh, consumer protection or environmental health. They're not protecting the consumer when they say, hey, companies, you cannot innovate as you see fit. They're hurting the consumer. Elizabeth Warren doesn't know anything about tech at all. Nothing. Elizabeth Warren does not know anything about the creation of a laptop or a phone or a camera. Anything. Zero. Why is she getting herself involved? She's getting herself involved because like all elitists, they believe they know best. She believes she should do something. No. Get out of the way. I cannot begin to tell you how much I am holding back in this conversation. What lowlifes I think these people really are. Lowlifes. Awful Terrible people. If Elizabeth Warren gets her way, and remember, take a look at this New England cabal going on. The senators from Massachusetts, a senator from Vermont. They would have gotten Pat Leahy, but he broke his hip, and I do wish him uh, the the best. And they send the letter to the former governor of Rhode Island. These people couldn't create if their life depended on it. When we take a look at what they uh, propose on the Green New Deal. And we've talked about this before. Eliminating carbon uh, uh, emissions to the amount technologically feasible. Do you know what that means? Have you asked yourself what that means? It means an end to tractors. Now, I'm not saying they said an end to tractors. I am saying that if you take a look at the statement to reduce carbon emissions to the amount technologically feasible, well, it's technologically feasible to end carbon emissions by saying you can't run that tractor. You can't drive that car. That's how it's done. They don't create a number. They don't take a look at if we did X, then we get Y. They say technologically feasible because they're telling you what the desire is. To end it, these people would end innovation. America could not have grown. The Hoover Dam never could have been built. Skyscrapers never would have reached high. If these people... We're in charge. Innovation matters. And innovators need to be protected from government bureaucrats who know nothing and are simply upset by it. Remember, what bothers Elizabeth Warren and Markey and Sanders the most is that they've never created anything and they know that in comparison they are lesser people. when we talk about the expert class and the very concepts of expertise that used to matter and we used to be a people that would um, exalt and glorify experts because they knew something we didn't. While Americans always believed that it was possible to achieve, we recognized the people who did. And we used to recognize the people who are simply smarter. Now, uh, whether you want to talk about it as social media or just culture, everyone thinks they're an expert because they can Google something. That's knowledge. Well, we're talking about a scholarship, the way to take five different points of knowledge, data points, and connect the dots into a theory, and idea, and then put it into practice. We have given up the ghost on the idea that some people are indeed smarter than others. Anybody can be president. That's absolutely true. The question is, should we just have anybody as president? Or should we have people of note, people of mind, people of strength and conviction? There's more than one kind of smarts out there. We should recognize that as well. Are we better off with Elon Musk saying, I want to go to Mars. All right, how do we get to Mars? I'm going to have to build a rocket. But I don't want to build rockets that are only one use. I want to build rockets that will actually come back to Earth and we can reuse again. All right, um, I'm going to hire some really smart people. We're going to do this thing. They hate Elon Musk. But he's smarter than they are. We're better off. I want electric cars. All right, how can we really, really do electric cars? The guy does it. Now, don't get me wrong. He did it with government money. He did this and that. Uh, we're, We're not discussing the fact that there aren't issues here. We're discussing the idea that he did the thing. Elizabeth Warren didn't create electric cars. Elizabeth Warren wants to limit technologies, and she will get to the point where she limits technologies on electric cars. Why? Well, it's better for the environment, don't you know? Well, the electric car companies have to do this, 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 and this. We are not a society that is better off with more regulation. We're better off with less regulation and allowing people to do what it is they do best. I cannot farm. Now, I I happen to be growing some tomatoes and some peppers and some cucumbers and some onions. Small garden. Small garden this year. I I I hope to, 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 to build it up. I hope to to grow it out. Right now, small garden. Somebody got me a tomato plant last year. Just dropped it off at the station. It was it was a, it was a, it was a what was it a wagon? And then there was a, a planter, beautiful planter. Still have it, and there was a tomato plant. I was like, all right, I guess I'm growing tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes. They were awesome. They were fantastic. Just kept growing. It was incredible. We're like, we're doing this again. So, got the got the tomatoes, and I've I've got cucumbers and uh, uh, peppers. And they're not red peppers; they're peppers, and then and then onions, and then uh, 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 some basil and, and and parsley is 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 what we're what we're growing. So, I maybe can grow some tomatoes and make a few salads out of it. I wouldn't know, and I wouldn't be the guy to trust to say, "Hey, here's forty acres; go grow some tomatoes." You leave that to farmers. If you leave it up to Elizabeth Warren, it's government prescribing how you farm, and you will never grow another piece of food again. overreaching government and what does she want to use the heavy hand of government the force of government the violence of government in order to get her ideological desires done oh i've decided this isn't right so an entire industry has to bow to my whims because i have government behind me that giant gun at their head this is a violent move from violent people despicable people Innovators need to innovate. And government needs to get out of the way. Man, elections cannot come fast enough. I'm Tony Katz. Some crazy weather across the Midwest. Did you, did you get this, Producer Ari, uh, about um, violent thunderstorms? A 2,000-mile-long zone... From Montana to the Carolinas, flash flood warnings, all sorts of things. I did hear about that, yeah. It didn't sound good. So there was a derecho, um, uh, that's a storm, uh, that was uh, went from South Dakota to Iowa the other day. We never hear about Unless it hits New York or Los Angeles, we never hear about a storm. Um, crazy stuff. But they happen. The point is they don't get reported on, but they happen, and people are utilizing this saying, well, you see, this is why we need to do this on global warming or climate change or whatever the case may be. It's weather, and sometimes there's bad weather. And growing up, there was bad weather. Uh, Growing up in Jersey, uh, tropical storms, trees would would fall uh, on that, went through the deck. There was a tree that almost crushed me as I was heading home as the storm was coming. Fell between myself and my brother. My brother had run up the uh, walkway to the house, and I was starting to, and the tree fell right in front of me. Crazy. Yeah, so uh, if you're in the Midwest, keep it safe, baby. Keep it safe. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. The more information that comes out about the murderer in Highland Park, seven people dead. He was on a rooftop shooting down, wearing women's clothing so he could escape with the crowd. He wanted to also engage in a shooting in Madison, Wisconsin. Drove up there, didn't feel that uh, he had the right uh, plan together. The father conversations of uh his actions basically washing his hands of the whole thing saying hey it wasn't me as a matter of fact we talked about the mass shooting that took place in denmark because there was a mass shooting in denmark three people dead no one wanted to talk about that this happened just a few days ago a few days before what happened in in highland park illinois and supposedly his son said yeah that guy was a fool that guy didn't know what he was doing what how ridiculous You mean he didn't have a good enough plan? The whole thing, the more you get into it, the more awful and sick and twisted it gets. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. And then the latest as the New York Post reports it that this 22-year-old, never mind all the clear and obvious signs of mental illness, also had um, posted images of a teenage sex doll Pushing out anti-Semitic remarks. Everything. Everything we learn about this guy makes you question how he was able to get a firearm. So that's the question. If we're going to talk about, as they discuss... The common-sense gun law conversation, well... Isn't that what Illinois is filled with and nothing worked? Cam Edwards joins us right now. He's the editor-in-chief of BearingArms.com uh, I will call an expert on the Second Amendment uh, by far and certainly one of my go-to guys his latest, How the Highland Park Suspect Got Guns Legally Despite Threats of Violence. Cam, it's good to have you with us, Cam Edwards on Twitter at Cam Edwards. We don't use names here so we're going to avoid using uh, the name of, of this Killer, we. Don't, I'm not interested in creating martyrs out, out of anybody. Uh, but I want you to, if you would, break down the the rules of Illinois. There's this idea of something called a Foid, which is a card you need in order to purchase a firearm. How the father gets involved, the what we know about this kid's history, and how this it, in a world of background checks wasn't discovered. Walk us walk us through it in this piece that you wrote at BearingArms.com.
1: Sure. Appreciate it, Tony. And uh, by the way, we have the same policy at, uh, at Bearing Arms as well. Um, we, we don't name these suspects. I don't want to give them the attention that, they, uh, that they're that they seeking in many cases. But, you know, in, in this case, I think you've got really two points of failure. You've got the failure of law enforcement. You've got the failure of the family. Uh, so as you mentioned, in Illinois, in order to legally possess a firearm in your home, you have to have what's called a firearm owner ID card, which requires you to apply to the Illinois State Police, they put you through a background check. It's basically the same process as, as buying a gun, only it's, you know, your your uh, application to exercise your right to keep a gun in your home. Uh, this law is actually being challenged in court. The Illinois State Supreme Court recently punted on the constitutionality of this law, sent it back down to the uh, to the lower courts. They've been trying very, very hard to avoid ruling on the substance of this law because I think it's unconstitutional, quite frankly, but it is on the books right now. Uh, and as it stands, if you are 18, 19 or 20 years old uh, and you're applying for a void card, you basically need an endorsement from uh, an adult or a, a family member. And in this case, it was the suspect's father who signed off on this three months after police had come to, I guess, his mom's house uh, on reports that he was that the suspect was threatening to, quote, kill everybody. And when police got there. Uh, apparently family members said, no, no, that wasn't the case. But they ended up taking, I think it was like 16 different bladed weapons, uh, from the home. And then a short time later, the suspect's dad contacts police and says, Hey, those are actually my knives. And so the police returned the knives. Now, earlier that same year, this is 2019, uh, April of 2019, police were called out to the house because the suspect was apparently threatening to commit suicide. And the family said at the time, Um, We'll deal with it. We'll make sure that he gets the the mental health help that he needs. And the police said, okay, fine. Uh, And they left. So there are a couple of issues here. Uh, First, the the, the lack of response um, or the lack of of, of really, you know, delving deeply into this on the part of law enforcement officers. You can make the case that the, you know, first incident back in April when the family said, we'll take care of this, we'll make sure he gets the help he needs. That police, you know, could have walked away uh, believing that this was going to be a situation that was resolved. But to me, when they're called out four months later and now the threat has gone from he's trying to he's starting to kill himself to now he's starting to kill other people. I don't understand. Forget the the red flag law in Illinois. I don't understand why the police didn't invoke the civil commitment law in this case and say, listen, um, we know what you're saying. But somebody called us out here. Uh, we're going to take him in. Have him evaluated. See if a mental health professional believes that he's a danger to himself or others, and that way he makes we make sure that he gets the help that he needs. That didn't happen. Not only was the red flag law, which went into effect in Illinois in 2019, not invoked, but the civil commitment law, which has been on the books for decades, was never used by law enforcement. So that's the first problem. But I got to tell you, again, as a father, I have a huge issue with the dad, uh, you know, basically endorsing his son knowing the troubles that he was having just a month earlier. Uh, and, you know, for the for the father, I know he's given some interviews afterwards. The attorney says, oh, he's being scapegoated. No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think that there really are questions about why the dad would say, yeah, I think my son is good to go when it comes to owning a firearm. Having said that, that was back in 2019. And this void card could have been revoked at any time by the Illinois State Police if there were – any signs that this guy was uh, a danger to himself or others if he had been accused of a crime beforehand. Um, so that was, you know, three years ago, about two and a half years ago when he applied for his FOID card. And apparently he didn't do anything over the past couple of years to draw the attention of, of law enforcement. Although certainly, again, when you look at his social media, um, there were a lot of concerns that, that probably should have been raised over the course of the last couple of years.
0: Talking to Cam Edwards, Bearingarms dot com but we look now at at some of the things that have been discussed and, and President Biden just signed into law. And one of these, something you and I discussed, was the idea of looking at juvenile records. We're going to look at juvenile records for people who are under the age uh, of 21, uh, if they're going to buy a, a long rifle, to see if w- they're eligible uh, to, to do so. Like we do background checks in the U.S. via uh, the National Instant Background uh, Check System, the NICS system as it's referred to. My argument was, if we're going to take a look at someone's juvenile records. When they're twenty, why aren't we taking a look at juvenile records when they're thirty? This uh, ugly uh, as it is, proves my point that we're not looking at juvenile records because he was twenty-two or, 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 or twenty-one when he purchased uh, the weapon. He was he was therefore uh, it was fine and good and it didn't matter. So well, it seems a- that a- we're engaged in legislation because he didn't what?
1: have a juvenile record. But that's he... important to note here. He didn't have a juvenile record. He was so never the stuff arrested. in twenty nineteen
0: wasn't on he a juvenile record. Charged.
1: That's hold on, hold on, Cam. I want to make sure out I'm to your clear. House is not going to be a disqualifying factor for you owning a gun. Cam, hold when on. When you're talking hold about on, looking Cam, at Cam, Cam, records, Cam, Cam well, give me a a one second. Check, you're looking for convictions. You're looking for adjudications of mental defectiveness. You're looking for a prohibiting factor. Police coming out to your house that doesn't result in charges, that doesn't result in a
0: conviction is not going to be a disqualifying factor to purchase a firearm. Are you saying to me, Cam? that his 2019 attempted suicide. And then 5 months later the threat to kill his family that police were called out for. That's where they found the 16 knives, the dagger and the sword that where the father then said, "Oh no, wait, bring them back. Those are mine. I just kept them in his room for safekeeping." That doesn't that never went on a record anywhere?
1: According to the Highland Park police, they submitted a report to uh I think it's called a clear and present danger report to the Illinois State Police. But again, because there were no charges, he wasn't involved in the court system. He, he, didn't, he didn't ever have to go to court for that incident. So the Illinois State Police said, look, that's not enough information for us to say no to, to giving him a license. And, and that's exactly the type of subjective stuff that goes on in blue states like New York, where they can say, well, listen, you know, I know you haven't been convicted of a crime, but, I mean, police came out to your house like four years ago. What was that all about? Why, why should we let you own a gun? The failure here, again, is on law enforcement. They had the opportunity to press charges. They had the opportunity to invoke the civil commitment law. But you can't say that, well, you know, we we should change the law to make it easier to deprive people of their Second Amendment rights if police go out to their house at some point. That's not the answer.
0: You're not going to get an argument from me on that because I, I I agree with you. I was just under the the belief that the the police being called out for the threatening to kill the family was something that was part of, of the record. If that wasn't part of the record, it does lead to, as you're discussing this idea of, well, what do we go after and what don't we? There is a societal question here that is pretty large that both, uh, lawful gun owners and, uh, the, the gun grabbers do need to wrestle with, which is what do we want from law enforcement to be able to put on the books, if you will, on, on someone's record? Are we do we err on the side of the people's rights and say if no one's pressing charges, there's nothing we can do, or is there some level of notation that needs to be uh, uh, addressed here? And I think that's why, like like many people, you're taking a look at the father and saying, "How could you? How could you be somebody who signs off on this?" And that leads to: Is there a culpability? for parents in these situations. And is there a position of of uh, people uh, of course on the side of the Second Amendment who say that parents maybe need to have a culpability in this?
1: Well I think the culpability is uh certainly something that's being looked at here. I I think it's a lot easier to prove culpability when the issue is somebody who's a minor. Uh for instance the uh, uh suspect in the Oxford uh Michigan high school shooting uh, whose parents are being charged, right? Um, that's a little bit different. This this suspect in Highland Park was 18. He was an adult when he applied for his FOID card. It was just that Illinois law requires, again, if you're under the age of 21, to have somebody uh, you know, basically endorse you. Um, the fact that he was 21 when this mass shooting took place, I, I think also you know, cuts against the idea that the father is ultimately culpable or, or, or bears some legal responsibility here. I have questions, again, about why the dad said, yeah, I think my son's good to go back in 2019, but I'm not so sure that that makes him responsible for what happened in 2022.
0: Talking to Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com, you know, the the big difference between... Yeah, I'm I'm going to use an "us and them" uh, statement, but ho- hopefully it, it makes sense. The the big difference between us and them is that for them the answer is the elimination of the Second Amendment. For us, uh, the the answer is trying to understand what has happened in cases and see whether or not there's anything there that actually should perci- perci- should per- precipitate. There it is. Thank you, Tony. A change. Should there be any level of changes? I think that when we take a step back from the nitty gritty and look a little bit higher, Illinois is a place of what they call these common sense gun laws. Yet for all of that and the things that you're discussing, none of it made a difference here. So are we going in it to a circular logic of the idea of, well, more laws is clearly the answer when all the laws didn't stop anything? Yeah, that's the I mean,
1: you're right. That That's the Democratic playbook. Right. Well, uh, clearly, because this happened, we have all these gun control laws in the books. That means that we don't have enough. We must need more. Um, I, again, I say the answer in, in in this case, one of the things we really need to be looking at is the existing criminal justice system and how it operates on a day to day basis. You know, because in every one of these cases in Buffalo in Uvalde, now in Highland Park, you can go back and say, wait, wait, wait. Why didn't the police actually do something? There were multiple, you know, trips out to these houses. There were multiple reports of these individuals doing stuff that that we would consider at least weird, uh, and and possibly rises to the level of criminal activity. But why was there nothing other than police contact? Why were there why, why 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 were prosecutors never brought in? Why were no charges ever filed? And the sad truth, Tony, is that we have a dysfunctional criminal justice system. Ninety-seven percent of felony cases in this country are plea bargained down. I just ran a story yesterday at Bearing Arms about a guy in uh, Detroit, Wayne County, Michigan. Now, this guy was accused of a drive-by shooting while he was out on bond. He was on GPS monitoring. Uh, He was accused of violating his bond conditions five different times. He gets hauled in before a judge to explain himself. And the judge says, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to remove your GPS monitoring device so we don't have to know the next time you break the law. And you're free to go, sir. You're you're released on your own personal recognizance. That is what's happening in courtrooms across the country every day. If you think that the criminal justice system takes violent criminal behavior seriously, you're fooling yourself. We have a shortage of prosecutors. We have a shortage of public defenders. We do not have a functional criminal justice system. And adding more gun control laws onto this broken system isn't going to do anything to make anybody one iota safer.
0: I want to move it over to um, uh, another story that you had about a poll. But hearing you say that, You know, uh, people, they, they know you as, as, as a gun guy, but they, they don't know you as a culture guy. And the next time, uh, you're with us, we're going to dig into the culture problems here, books you've written about fatherhood and things like that, because it, it, our our culture problem is the problem. But while I still have 60 seconds or so, you wrote about a poll that was done, uh, Mammoth University poll and talks about the biggest concerns, uh, for voters and, um, Guns don't even rank in double digits.
1: No, 3% of voters said that guns uh, was their top concern. I think another 2% said crime was their top concern. 63% gave some version of the economy, whether it was inflation, grocery prices, gas prices. That is the driving issue right now. Now, it doesn't mean that people don't care about violent crime. It doesn't mean that people aren't concerned about what we're seeing in places like Uvalde and Highland Park. But it does mean that, you know, fundamentally, when you ask people what is the single most important issue right now, it's their kitchen table issues. It's their wallet issues, right? It is. It's things cost more. I'm not making much more. Sometimes I might die, I might even be making less. And I'm worried how to put gas in my tank. I'm worried how to put a roof over my kids' head. I'm worried how to put food on the table at night. That is what is driving this election.
0: Um, Uh, 150% Uh, Check out the article over there at BearingArms.com Cam, I'm just up against the time We're going to have you back, we're going to get into more of this Keep it here, I'm Tony Katz So Boris Johnson Has resigned He will stay as Prime Minister until the new election Man I was discussing it yesterday and I said, so he selects a guy for his cabinet who is accused of groping two other men. And that's the last straw. And that's the way, I, you know, when I was discussing it yesterday, I said, there's no way that's the thing that takes him down. If if partying and and being out while you were locking people down during COVID didn't take him down. It's the cumulative effect. I know this, Tony, what's wrong with you? People were infuriated by the other thing. That was my point yesterday. I should have I should have said, well, this this could just be the tipping point, and it was, because two ministers had resigned yesterday, and then forty over the in the overnight, and he's like, okay, all right, we're done here, announcing that resignation. That's the big story of the day. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Everyone, take care.